Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bad Batch episode 15 and 16 breakdown, or otherwise known as the Bad Batch finale. I really had a great time watching this show. I felt like season two, I was able to bond with the characters a lot more than I did in season one, simply because I got to spend more time with them, and we saw them go through a lot more things in this season, especially, you know, these last two episodes, of course. I'm really gonna miss the show, and I can't wait until season three to watch it again with you all. So let's get right to it with the breakdown. The Bad Batch figure out a way to crosshair by going to Iriadu, which is actually Tarkin's home world. This is where they can put a homing beacon on Dr. Hemlock's ship, tracking him to wherever he goes, which is of course Mount Tantis and Crosshair. Fee says goodbye to them, and she has a bit of a last minute thing with Tech, telling him not to hang out with any pirates or you know anything else. Basically saying, you know, don't cheat on her. He's confused, and I think so is most of the audience, as I don't really remember them having much of a thing other than Fee kind of coming on to him one-sided. But hey, it seems like he doesn't mind with that little smirk that he had when she walked away. So good for him. Dr. Hemlock lands on Iriadu to meet with Tarkin as we see him next to Krennic, which is awesome to see him in animated form. The Bad Batch arrive on Iriadu and they disrupt the feed, attaching themselves to the sky carts. Hemlock tells Tarkin and the Imperials that he is close to unlocking the cloning abilities of the Kaminoans, that it'll take time and resources as you cannot rush science. He tells them that he is to run tests on the clones. So first of all, uh, it's evident that they're really trying to drive home the fact that cloning is a major thing in Star Wars, and we know it is. But with the possibilities of cloning being perfected, just like the Kaminoans had, or perhaps they were about to have some sort of a scientific revelation with cloning is what I believe Dr. Hemlock and the Empire are trying to emulate here. And I think the whole idea of getting Omega back into their clutches so that they can persuade Nalase to continue the scientific experiments is really just another way of them doing the Emperor's bidding by creating the perfect cloned vessel for him to transfer his essence into or for him to create some sort of Snoke being if they're going to tie it into that. Now the conversation about clones comes up once Hemlock talks about him running tests on the clones, and Tarkin finds the clones to be very unpredictable, that under Jedi leadership they adopted a concerning level of individuality, which is very clear that the Empire really doesn't want the clones to think for themselves. The topic of a clone uprising comes to the table and Targan says if that happens, they will handle it, meaning they're going to terminate all the clones, which is already pretty much what they're doing. Now in Legends, Palpatine wanted the stormtroopers instead of clones because he wanted a larger and vaster number of an army. But now of course we also see that the clones are becoming very autonomous and rebellious. I think a clone uprising will very much actually happen. I think they have been foreshadowing this all along for season two, and it shows that the clones will have one last major fight against the Empire. Cody and Rex fighting together alongside one another would be very awesome to see. Tarkin turns to Commander Krennic and asks to be enlightened on Project Stardust, which of course is code word for the Death Star. This also means that Galen Erso is working for the Empire already in the creation of the Death Star, as we hear some Rogue One music, which was a really nice tie-in. We're moving along ahead in this episode, and Omega tags Hemlock's ship as Wrecker creates a distraction, and they run into Sakurera. As they get out of there, in very hairy situations, they blast the stormtroopers. And I want to take your attention to the fact that they don't put their blasters to stun, rather they're full on just killing the stormtroopers, meaning they only care about their own clone brothers. 
Saw Gerrera ignites his bombs and the base is pretty smashed up and Tarkin is very pissed. The sky rails stop due to the explosion creating an electrical short, stranding them in the sky like sitting ducks. This is where the end of episode 15 happens. The main thing I take away from this episode is how Hemlock is really selling the Kaminoans cloning technologies for Tarkin. And it seems like Tarkin is, you know, kind of upset that this costs so much money and is taking so much time. But it seems like Hemlock is actually speaking directly with the Emperor about this, as he says it's very important research and very important to the Emperor. For if they are successful, they'll be able to splice creatures and beings. So I think Palpatine wants to create, you know, Snoke or other abominations that he can control with the Force, or, you know, something nefarious. Let's jump right into episode 16. So Tech climbs up the tram into the sky and tries to reboot the terminal. Tarkin sends ships out to shoot them, including his own stormtrooper men. So long as they wipe out the Bad Batch, he doesn't care what happens, even if it's friendly fire. Hunter makes a precise shot at one of the ships, and we see that he's got a bit of his brother Crosshair in him too, at least that's kind of what I took from that moment, that he's a really good shot. This isn't the first time that we see this from him. Hunter was always a second best at shooting, I think, compared to Crosshair. I believe he got some of the mutation as well. Tech reboots the tram, falls off the ledge, hanging on the wire after the ship shot all of the trams off their tracks. Tech says the connection must be cut as he's pulling them down, as Wrecker says no, and he says time for plan 99. So the reason Tech says plan 99 is because this is in reference to clone 99 from the Clone Wars. Now clone 99 was a so-called defective clone they referred to him as with physical abnormalities compared to his brothers he worked as a maintenance worker mopping up the floors at the clone trooper barracks on camino despite his physical limitations he was very loyal to his brothers and he often helped them in any way that he could he ended up dying clone 99 died in clone wars season 3 episode 1 clone cadets while defending the clone cadets from an attack by separatist commando droids he sacrificed his life to help the cadets escape and transmit a distress signal, warning the Republic of the impending attack. His bravery was what inspired many clones to fight harder and succeed in their missions. And we see that today with Tech, who was inspired by Clone 99. So Plan 99 here, as Tech says, is him sacrificing himself for his brothers and for Omega. Wrecker tells him not to do it, and Tech questions, when have we ever followed orders? Shooting the wire and falling to his doom along with the tram, pulling the others down. It was a very emotional moment, it was very beautiful, and the fact that he connected it to 99 was, of course, very moving as well. As the tram gets back on its tracks, they go speeding into the building and out the other end. As Omega is badly injured, Hunter, Wrecker, and Echo enter a first-person mode as they run to the ship, shooting blasts all around. This was pretty cool. It was like a video game. It was really awesome to see. Omega wakes up on Ord Mantell, Sid's bar, to get AZ, the medical droid, as she comes to terms with the loss of tech. Hunter tells her that it's time to stop being soldiers and to just live a new life on Pabu, basically just retire and be normal people. This kind of seems weird to me since they still didn't save Crosshair, but maybe they're going to do that once they post up on Pabu or something, who knows. Sid gives a drink to Wrecker as she's quite nervous and he asks, what's wrong with you, what's going on? And we find out of course the Empire is in the sky, sending out transports to drop Hemlock and clone commandos, where Echo tries to reach the boys but the Empire jammed their comms. Sid reveals the truth that she turned them in, as clone commandos come in and stun Wrecker, but to no effect of course due to his mutation of extreme strength, until a few more blasts eventually do the job. 
Hunter goes out to help his brother as he gets Omega to safety, but of course she disobeys his direct orders to leave and turns around and tries to save the day. Now, I want to mention that Sid's friend, or rather the dude in the pod race scene, was totally right about her. She ended up actually betraying them. I think Sid is such a well-written character to the point that we actually hate her so much, so they obviously did their job well because I despise Sid. She's a backstabber. Hemlock gives Sid her reward for turning the Bad Batch in, and Hunter is forced to drop his blaster. Hemlock throws Tech's broken glasses at his feet, and it alludes to the fact that Tech is dead, but look, he could be alive. He had thrusters on his backpack it seemed and he could have also fallen into a body of water perhaps i don't think this is the last we see of tech he might show up at some point maybe at the end of season three who knows ord mantel has people running for their lives as the empire takes the streets with walkers and troops the empire's oppression is becoming very very real Omega ambushes them in the streets and Hemlock tells her that Nalase waits for her, the Kaminoan who cared for her on Kamino. She refuses to go with Hemlock when a clone commando drops down and stuns her anyways, taking her in. So now Omega and Crosshair are going to be on Mount Tantis. Echo takes command of a walker and Wrecker and Hunter use this to get out of there. Hunter promises to find her and that's the last we see of him and the crew during the season. We switch to Mount Tantis where Omega is brought before Nalase for the first time since season one, as Nalase says nothing to her, just looks at her. Omega is pushed to keep walking by Scorch, and Scorch is the clone commando who is part of Delta Squad, if you guys remember the Republic Commando game that I was streaming uh, just a little while ago, which I still have yet to finish with you. Omega is taken to the experimental room where she sees Crosshair lying lifeless, where we see a bunch of tubes with clones, experiments, and other lifeless beings around them floating. These could be what the Doctor is trying to do with Omega and Crosshair. Splicing genes, running experiments, creating weird monsters and abominations, maybe genetically superior clones capable of force sensitivity or something. Of course, mutated clones like the Bad Batch are probably very important to the Doctor because he needs to run tests to see why are these guys so special? What happened genetically? The scientist walks up to Omega and finds it odd that she trusts Nalase over her, dropping to her knees and taking her goggles off. She says they're sisters and the episode ends. Now, personally, I felt this was kind of known. I feel like we always knew that she was a clone. She looks like a clone, and she has the same accent, and she also tried to save Crosshair a bunch of times. So I'm not sure why this is such a major cliffhanger to end the season on, but I think she might have a soft spot for Crosshair, as she helped him earlier to escape, or at least what seemed like it, and she might also protect Omega here now once they run some experiments on her. So the Empire hopes to have Nalase do their scientific research on cloning, and I think they're just using Omega as bait, as sort of incentive, as, you know, hey, do what we want or else, you know, we're going to hurt her. And I think they need this research done by Nalase because Kaminoans know this technology better than anyone else. It's an alien technology, of course, and I don't think that the Empire can really figure everything out to their maximum potential if they don't have the help of Nalase, the last Kaminoan who knows this stuff. And I think that's probably where Dr. Pershing comes in because he probably is a very intelligent scientist who actually is able to crack the Kaminoan code when it comes to creating spliced creatures and weird cloned beings. So I think there's a ton around Dr. Pershing, which we'll eventually maybe see in season three. Now, going forwards into season three, 
I think the Bad Batch are eventually going to try and save Crosshair and Omega, of course. But I don't think Tech is dead. I think with Dr. Hemlock being so hellbent on experimenting on all the clones, he would definitely pick up Tech's body and try to revive him or save him or something like that so that he can run more tests on him because Tech obviously has a very favorable mutation, which is extreme intelligence. So that's probably something that they would want to learn more about in their next batch of clones or whatever they're creating. So I don't think they want to wipe out all clones in general. I think just the ones who are soldiers for the Empire, but rather the clones that they're creating are clearly very important to them as they wouldn't be spending so much money and time and resources on these scientific experiments if they weren't. Let me know what you guys thought about season two. I really enjoyed it. You know, there were some moments which of course were a little bit boring, but there were moments which were of course really fun. And overall, I feel really connected with the characters. They're my friends now, just like the Clone Wars. And I can't wait to see more about their story in season three. Hope you enjoyed the watch parties with me. Now we get to focus on Mando entirely for the next three weeks. I love you all and I'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, remember the force will be with you always.